Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Hello! It's, it's just great to be back, okay? And to have people in here, you don't know how brutal it is to preach to a camera for 11 straight weeks, all right? And it's just good to see people here. And don't worry, we're going to worship at the end of the service again. So how many want some more worship at the end? Live worship. I know, I, I, I miss it myself. It's just such an important part of our lives. But, you know, we're going to follow the guidelines. We're going to do our best in doing all those things. And, um, and that's why we're doing this the way we're doing it today. Um, I'm, I'm starting an, an end time series today, and uh, I was going to start it last summer, and I don't remember why I, um, I didn't, uh, and I told myself, well, I'll push it to next summer, and next summer is now right now, and so we're going to start an end time series, um, and uh, I'm going to do it a little bit different uh, today. I would not normally start an end time series with a message that I'm doing today, but hopefully that will make sense in a, in a certain part, because I'm talking about when the end began, because we get confused on that right there, but here's the main idea I want you to think about today, and that is I have a question, how many of you wish the rapture would happen yesterday? I mean, you, I mean, you really wish that we'd be gone, right? We just come take us because the world we live in, you look at it for your kids, your grandkids, everything else, and it kind of scares you all around the world, and so you want the rapture. Well, there's a way to bring in, usher in the rapture faster, and we're going to talk about that today. And specifically today is the day of Pentecost, and that's another reason why I'm going to start it this way. Pentecost is when the church age began around 2,000 years ago when the Holy Spirit was poured out. That's why we're going to stay in Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2 today as we look at different things uh, uh, this morning. Now, <clears throat> now, let me begin with something that uh, I've said twice in my Peace in the Panic series. How many of you are watching me weekly? Peace, peace, in the pa- peace in the Panic, yeah, okay. The rest of you not watching me at all. Okay, gotcha. All right, so good, I hear laughter. It's great to be back. But, um, but uh, let, me, let, me t- can I, let me just tell you how rough it was for me. I, I would get up on Sunday mornings and I'd watch myself at 8.30 service. That's brutal enough right there, okay. And because I was going crazy, uh, I would, I'd, I'd muster or watch myself, then I'd watch the kids' stuff. And anybody ever see me as Professor Toast during the kids' program? You didn't see me as Professor Toast? That was my acting debut. Go back and watch that one. Um, but then I'd get up and I'd go down to uh, get a cup of coffee. I'd go to the parking lot at Crossings, Cahalco. I'd park under a tree. You probably saw some of my live feeds from there. I'd stare at Marshall's. Wishing it was open. <laughs> I'd open my Bible and read there, listen to teaching podcasts for like two and a half to three hours. And I would do that on Saturday mornings and specifically on Sundays after I watched myself because I just couldn't stay home. I, I just, it was just rough. You know, when you've been doing something for so long and then you don't do it, it's like something that has been such a part of your life is missing. And I remember the last week when I did my last program that I hope will be the last one just 
online that now I have little by little we'll, we'll get back to normal. I remember I had to get myself hyped up because you don't have no response back to a, from a camera. And, and you have to think about that as you're talking when you're not used to these things. And so with all that said, I'm so appreciative that there's just people here in the audience today. I wish we could all come together, but we can't because of the limitations, but hopefully that'll change at, at a certain point. Now let me say that we're going to get into things like the rapture in this series. Next we're going to look at what it looks like at the end of, at the very, very end before the rapture. We'll take a look at the Antichrist at certain times. We're going to look at all the judgments that are going to be unleashed upon planet earth on the, in the great seven year tribulation. We're going to look at the abomination of desolation, Daniel 70 weeks and how it relates to the end times. We'll look at the second coming of Christ. We're going to cover everything. But today we're going to look at how it began and how we can usher in the rapture a little bit faster. Because as most of you raised your hand, you said, I'd like to see the rapture happen quick. There was something that I talked about twice in the Peace and the Panic series. And I said it twice because I was asked the question, are we in the last days? Are we in the end, are we in the end times? And my answer, if you remember, as I taught, I said yes and no. Because I figured people were assuming, you know, are we in the great seven-year tribulation with this pandemic? And the answer to that is no. You know why? Because I'm still here, okay? And you as a Christian, you're still here. If we were in the great seven-year tribulation, you would have been raptured. You would have been gone. So there's no way that we're in that. But on the other side of it, are we in the end times? The other side of the answer is yes, we are. And I would make reference to a certain set of verses but I didn't turn there because it was just a reference I was making. But now I want you to turn there to Acts chapter, uh, Acts chapter 2. And I want you to look at it. It'll be on the screen or if you have your, your Bible or your app, whatever it is, uh, Bible app. Um, but Acts chapter 2, let me share with you why I would say, yes, we are in the last days. We are in the end times. Because it's what, what Peter says, he quotes from Joel, on the day the church is born, the day of Pentecost, a couple thousand years ago. Verse 14 says this. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, Men of Judea and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be made known to you and give heed to my words. Now, guys, does he sound bold? Say yes. Was he bold around that charcoal or campfire when that little girl said, Were you, you were with Jesus? Was he bold that night? Because he said, Oh, I don't even know the guy. He was terrified. But now he's bold as a lion. Why is that? Because the power of the empowering baptism in the Holy Spirit that just happened in Acts chapter 2. That's one plank of his courage. And that's for anybody who wants it. But he stands up now bold as a lion to share about Jesus Christ, and he's not afraid. Verse 15. For these men because he's going to answer a question or a statement, because they're all saying, these guys are drunk. They're speaking in tongues, they're drunk. Peter says, for these men are not drunk as you suppose. For it is only the third hour of the day. He's saying, it's nine o'clock in the morning. They're not drunk. And then in verse 16, now he quotes, but this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. He says, this is something that Joel said. Now Peter becomes a theologian. Now that's an important statement. You know why? 
because it encourages us because in Acts chapter 4 when Peter preaches the great message you're going to find that all the, the uh, schooled religious people who've gone to all the schools they're all the scholars they look at Peter and they make a statement and they say this is an uneducated guy he's just a fisherman but listening to him we can tell that he has been with Jesus how many know that Jesus can make you smarter because he made that man smarter he put them on the same plane made Peter on the same plane as all the highly schooled religious people that day now watch what he quotes from Joel getting back to are we in the last days verse 17 Joel said and it shall be in the last days say last days God says that I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams how many old guys dream dreams I'm just joking I don't want to know now I dream okay but he says the last days began when the spirit of God was poured forth on all mankind and that happened in Acts chapter 2 and so when people ask me are we in the last days yes we are but it started 2,000 years ago. We've been in it for 2,000 years. Now let me show with you the difference of what I'm talking about now. When Peter says it, when it began, that was the AM of the last days. You and I are living in the PM of the last days. I really feel very strongly, I cannot absolutely prove it, but by looking at what we'll see next week, that we are nearing the end. We're in the PM time of the last days. Do I believe strongly that the Antichrist is alive on earth right now? Doesn't know he's the Antichrist? Yeah, I believe that too. I think things are setting up and things are there. And so that's why this first message is important because we have our work cut out for us as we'll see. Now, there's something that will usher in the rapture, the thing that we all want. And this is our key verse. It's Romans uh, chapter 11, verse 25, and then 26a. Let's read it all together. Here we go. For I do not want you... Okay, start. You guys have been off for 11 weeks. Okay, you're really bad. You guys are really bad. Okay, I'll count to three slowly. One, two, three. For I do not want you... Stop. You guys at home aren't even saying it. No, I'm just joking. Okay, let me count to three. One, two, three. For I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery so that you will not be wise in your own estimation, that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Verse 26a. And so all Israel will be saved. Now, what does that even mean? It's loaded. It's prophetically loaded. He's, first he says, there's a partial hardening that's happened to Israel. Happened. In other words, when Jesus came, he came to his own, but it says in John 1 that his own did not know him. They rejected him. So a partial hardening happens to Israel at that time. Then the church age begins on the day of Pentecost, which is today, but 2,000 years ago. That's a Gentile age. The church is here now. It says there that there will be a fullness of the Gentiles. Not the times of the Gentiles. That's different in the New Testament. This is the fullness of the Gentiles he's talking about. The fullness of the Gentiles is our church age, and the fullness of the Gentiles, it ends, the fullness comes about 
when the very last person, whoever that is, wherever that is, however that is, when that last person puts their faith in Jesus Christ as Savior, there's a last person in one of these generations. That's the fullness of the Gentiles. And when that happens, the rapture hits. And then that verse said that all Israel will be saved after that. What does that even mean? Because they're rejecting him now. They don't recognize that Jesus is Messiah. Well, Jesus will now utilize them, the Jews. Many Jews will get saved in that great seven-year tribulation. The 144,000 evangelists, they are Jewish. We will see about them in weeks to come. Moses and Elijah will return to earth. They will evangelize. So the Jews will reach this world. God will use them again. But right now we're in the times of the Gentiles, the church age, and there's a last person to get saved. So my point is this. We pray, God, bring the rapture, bring the rapture, bring the rapture. Not going to happen that way. The rapture will take place if we do our job and we start sharing our faith with people and hurry up the program so whenever the last person who is ever going to get saved, Gentile-wise, church-age-wise, when that happens, then and only then will we be raptured off this planet. Could be in our generation, could be in the generation after mine, I don't know. Now, our tagline for the series, because we don't want to miss it, is this. It's the call you don't want to miss. Say that with me all together. It's the... Sounds so good. Say it again. It's the... It's the call you don't want to miss. The rapture is something that no one wants to miss. There's going to be a call, a heavenly blast when the rapture happens and people just disappear from earth and we'll talk about that in weeks to come. So what's our specific role? That's what we're going to talk about today. That's what we're looking at when the end began. The end began 2,000 years ago, but if we want to usher it in, we got a job to do. Now turn to Acts chapter 1, verse 3, and I want to show you some of the things that Jesus said because I'm going to take you into three points this morning, but first let me share this verse to give, to give a foundation to why I'm sharing those three points. There's something he stated in there. Verse 3, Luke writes the book of Acts. Uh, he writes it, basically it's the second part of Luke itself because he writes it to the same guy. Verse 3 says, To these he, meaning Jesus is he, also presented himself alive after, after his suffering. In other words, they saw Jesus after he was killed on the cross and they saw him in his resurrected body. They saw him, guys. Now let me tell you what that means. And never forget what I'm going to tell you now. Yours is not a blind faith you believe in. Never tell anyone, well, you just got to believe without seeing. No, 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 no. Our faith has evidence. We have eyewitnesses. We have these eyewitnesses. We have people that are not even Christians in history within the first hundred years, people like Suetonius, Tacitus, Josephus, not Christians who write that the tomb was empty. And they write these things. Ours is not a blind faith. We've got all the eyewitnesses. Ours is a faith that has been evidenced. Never forget that. And notice what it says in verse 3 as it continues. By many convincing proofs. So Jesus is walking with these first followers. 
And he's sharing with convincing proofs. Now, for me, if I'm walking with him, all I need to know is to see him in the nail, nail spots on his, on his wrists, feet, and on his forehead from the crown of thorns. That's, that seals the deal for me. But he's walking for 40 days with them, hanging out, giving them convincing proofs of himself. There he is, right there. Now, it says, appearing to them over a period of 40 days, and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Now we find out that Jesus' last instructions are very important because he's talking to them about a whole other kingdom. This becomes very important because his kingdom is not the kingdom of the earth. How do I know that? Because he's on trial with Pilate, remember? And Pilate's grilling him and grilling him. And one of the things Jesus says is this, Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting. We'd be violently fighting that I would not be delivered up to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this world. So Jesus makes it very clear. He's got a whole different kingdom. And there in verse 3, He's sharing with his followers about this new kingdom. It's way bigger than any kingdoms of the world. It's, it's humongous. And it's the kingdom that is a follower of Christ that you and I operate in. And it's according to those rules that we operate in. Because we are part of a different kingdom. And as, as subjects of the kingdom, we're called to reach out to other people with kingdom information and, and the good news. So I want to talk to you about what Jesus said, some characteristics of the kingdom, about when the end began, about ushering in the rapture, about how it all ties together. So here we go, number one in your notes, and that's this. The first thing about the kingdom of God is it continues with us. Continues with every one of us. Now look at Acts chapter 1 and verse 1. It says, The first account I composed to Theopolis, Go back to Luke when you have a chance. Chapter 1, you'll see Luke writing to them also. About all that Jesus began, say the word began. All that Jesus began to do and teach. Okay. Very important word. You know, it took me about 33 to 35 years before I caught that word began in there of my faith. And I studied the Bible every day for hours. But one day, it dawned on me, began, and then it hit me. That only makes sense. That Jesus began it, he ascends to heaven, and we're called to carry it on and finish it, right? Let me give you the best uh, description I have of that. I, I'm the person, as you know this, um, and I encourage everyone to do this. I'm trying to see every state in the union before I can't walk or move or know, even know who you are anymore. Now, um, I'm at 35 states right now. And I, and I would like to see everyone see some certain things. Some of the things you need to see is, if you can, take a cruise to Alaska and go see a glacier. It's amazing. If you can, go to Yellowstone National Park. It's amazing. If you can, go to Niagara Falls. It's utterly amazing. But one of the things I also saw about seven, eight years ago, I encourage everyone to go see, go see the president's faces in the Black Hills of South Dakota. I saw them. But when I was there, there was something else there I wanted to see. Crazy Horse Memorial. Has anyone ever heard of that one? 
How many have ever seen that? You've been there to see it? It's incredible. It dwarfs the president's faces. They have been working on it since 1948. You know what they have done? His face. And just the top of his arm. Because he's going to end up pointing out like this. And he's riding a horse, if you can believe that. They're carving it out of solid rock mountain. A family, a husband and wife, began it in 1948. The husband dies in 1982. The wife takes over, continues to work with her kids. She dies in 2014. The daughter takes over, Monique, with her three siblings and three grandkids, and they continue the work. Guys, they will be working on that thing. They were on it right now, 72 years. They'll be on it at least another 72 years. And if you think about it, it began as this vision in one guy's head, this family guy, and he died, and this person continued, and they died. Now this person continues. I'm sure the daughter will die before it ever continues, and the family, they'll keep carrying it on. Someone began it. Someone continues it. And one day, they're going to finish it. Let me tell you about the kingdom that you and I live in right now, the kingdom of God. Jesus began it the day the church was born 2,000 years ago. Every Christian since that time, we are to continue it and continue it and continue it until the day that it's completed and the very last person that ever puts their faith in Jesus Christ in the church age, whoever it is, wherever it is, whenever that is, then we will be raptured and the church age is over, fullness of the Gentiles. Here we go. And now Jesus turns back towards the Jews and it's the great seven-year tribulation period. Does that make sense so far? So if you want the rapture to happen sooner than later and start sharing faith because maybe one of us is going to witness to the very last person who's going to put their faith in Jesus Christ that's point one let me give you point two this morning and that is this the kingdom of God makes life restoration of highest importance the kingdom of God makes life restoration of highest importance now let's read Acts chapter 1 verse 6, 7 and 8 and it says this so when they had come together, they were asking him, now guys, look at me. Jesus has just been teaching them for 40 days about the kingdom of God. How many would like to have been in that seminar? Good, 10 of you. The rest of you really didn't want to. Okay, good. I've been dying to say that for 11 weeks, so. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom of it to Israel? It's the stupidest question, and I probably would have asked it too. And I'll tell you why it's a dumb question when I read the two next verses. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times of the epochs, epochs is seasons, which the Father had fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, even to the remotest parts of the earth. Here's what's going on. Here's how they're missing it from the get-go. And I'd have missed it too. I would have, if I'm them, I ask that question. They ask, Jesus, um, is it at this time you're restoring 
the kingdom of Israel? In other words, we want you to do what we want you to do, the way we want you to do it, according to our agenda, according to our political stance, we want you to overthrow Rome and make Israel a nation again and make us uh, stronger than them. That's what they're asking. After 40 days of listening to what the kingdom of God is all about, they reduced the kingdom of God to make our nation bigger than Rome. They missed it. I'd have done the same thing. But what does Jesus do when, when, he, when, they, ask, when he, they ask him, hey, follow our political agenda? He says, no. It's not for you to know the times or the seasons. You're missing the boat. I just talked to you about the kingdom of God. And you want to know about that? You're from a different kingdom. You want to know about that? And that's what they wanted to know. <clears throat> now, when you step out, and he says in here, that your job isn't to worry about these other things. Your job is to be a witness. Your job is to be a person that walks in the ways of God. Your job is to share your faith when the opportunity arises. That's your job. You'll be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the world. Now, let me tell you, when you start to do that, if you start to do that, something's going to happen. How many of you have ever shared your faith and somebody got really antagonistic about it towards you? They got a little bit hot with you. Okay, good. Good. That's not a wrong thing. Expect it. Because bullet point one, I got two bullet points right here. The first one is this in point two. There will be opposition to the gospel. There will be opposition. When you share, things are going to happen. There's going to be opposition. In fact, Jesus predicted in your own families, there's opposition. Anybody know what that means? Anybody know what that feels like? In your own families, he said. That's, that's crazy, huh? But he said in your own families. Have you ever wondered why there is opposition to Jesus Christ? It's because the devil doesn't like him. It's because it's a spiritual battle and you're in a kingdom of God and you think the enemy is that physical person. No, he's not. No, she's not. The Bible says, New Testament, that we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. We wrestle against persons without bodies. It's a spiritual thing. And if you think it's that person, then you've missed the boat. There's another kingdom, the kingdom of darkness, fighting against the kingdom of God. And whenever we share our faith, you're going to get some opposition from some people. It's going to get pretty hostile at times because the enemy doesn't want anyone to get saved. Now, <clears throat> notice what happened right after this as now they're spreading the gospel to the whole world. Watch in, verse, in Acts chapter 4, verse 18. Watch what happens here. Peter's been arrested for preaching the gospel, and it says, and when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. You're not going to say a word about Jesus. Hey, on this job, you don't say a word about Jesus. Keep that to yourself. They command him not to speak. Do you know what Peter and the gang do? It's not in your notes, but write this verse down if you're taking notes. Acts 4.29. Look it up later. Acts 4.29, it says that when they were released... Peter said, Lord, fill us with the Spirit again. And then he says, give us boldness to share 
the gospel, to share the good news. I have a question for you. Boldness? What got them in trouble in the first place? Boldness. And now they pray for more boldness. Isn't that great? What do we typically pray for when we get opposed? Lord, put a glass bubble around me, put a hedge of protection, put walls around me. No, they prayed for boldness to continue to keep preaching the gospel and not to back down and not to be afraid. That's what we need to pray for. Give us boldness. Not back off. Give us boldness, God. Now, the next thing is this bullet point. The next thing is the Holy Spirit will bring the world uh, to you. The Holy Spirit's going to bring the world to you. Now, this one, you got you to think differently. Now, Jesus said, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's where they're at at that moment. Judea, that's that southern part of Israel. Judea is a territory and area. And then to Samaria, that's further north in Israel. And Samaria, uh, Jews don't like Samaritans, but you're going to go there. And then to the uttermost parts of the entire world. To think about that verse and what Jesus is saying to these guys, you got to get yourself out of a 2020 American mindset. Some of us went to Israel this past June. We hopped on a plane. We flew from LAX to Istanbul, Turkey. Twelve and a half hours. We were pretty much on the other side of the world. We can do that today. I can go to the remotest part of the earth today. Just like that. Now, get that out of your head. Now think, pretend you're Peter. You're listening to these words. You're a fisherman. You're a fisherman in Galilee, on the Sea of Galilee. Now, let me change the words. You hear the word sea, and you haven't been to Israel. If you, you think it's huge. No, it really should be called the Lake of Galilee. It's about seven miles wide and 14 miles long. It's not big. And that's Peter's world. If you ever go to Capernaum with us, you're going to see how little that was. And Jesus says, you're going to take the gospel to the farthest parts of the world. If you're Peter, and you hear something like that, and your whole world is so little, what are you thinking? There's no way. How will I ever do that? But let me show you a cool thing about Jesus that he does that first uh, Pentecost Sunday. It says, and we'll read it in point three, it says that all these people came there from all the nations because Pentecost is one of the three of the many festivals where every uh, Jewish man or converted Judaism, they had to come to Jerusalem. They had to come there physically. And so when Jesus says it that day, the whole world is there that day. And Jesus brings the world to them that day. Guys, haven't you ever noticed that Jesus is bringing the world to you? Have you ever worked next to somebody from another country? He's bringing them to you. He's bringing them to me. And we got to think like that, that my gosh, he's bringing them. And it's my job to do something about this because it's the transformation of life. You shall be my witnesses. That's way more important than their political agenda. If we miss that, we miss everything. And we get caught up in all the hoopla and we forget that that's a lost person, that's a lost person, that's a lost person. And we need to think that way versus the other way primarily. And that's what Jesus is trying to lay out when these guys ask the wrong question. And number three is this, the kingdom of God is a multicultural, diverse nation. <clears throat> it's a multicultural, diverse nation. Now, let me read from you Acts chapter 2, verse 9, 10, 11. If you have your Bible, you can read with me. 
Watch who's there that day, because I just, I just told you people from all over the world are there. But watch. Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, and how many are glad I'm reading this out loud, not you? <laughs> Egypt and the districts of Libya around Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. Verse 11. Cretans and Arabs. Don't forget those two words, Cretans and Arabs. We'll finish off with them later on. We hear them in our own tongue speaking of the mighty deeds of God. Okay. <clears throat> it's amazing to me. I write these messages like three weeks ahead of time. Um, sometimes I'm four, right now I'm four weeks ahead actually. But this was written three weeks ago. I didn't know. I couldn't have known uh, the situation that our country would be in at this time. Next week, I was going to expand upon this, and you'll hear next week something else, because some more on this. But I didn't know. It's like, who could have known? But let me tell you what's in my notes when it comes to this. The church is a multicultural, diverse nation. Multicultural. <clears throat> Let me do it on a human, biblical level. Let me give you something from nature, I think, that God has placed it there. And there's many of them. To prove the point. In Acts chapter 17, verse 26, not in your notes, it said that God made from one all of us. So first off, the human race gets the definitions wrong. They say we're a bunch of different races. That's an absolute lie. The Bible says we're one race. One human race. And we all came from one. I told you in a series last year, the year before, I don't remember what series, it might have been on marriage, I don't know. But I said, I'm going to blow your mind and I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to say Every one of you who are married, you married a relative. Distant, but a relative. Anyone remember that? And you guys thought it was funny. But it's true. You all married a relative if you're married. Because you all came from one. Let me drill that down even further. Noah. Noah gets in that ark with his wife. He's got three sons and their wives. His three sons' names are Ham, Shem, and Japheth. This is really important stuff I'm going to tell you right now. Now, when they are given these names in the Old Testament, the names mean something, something about that kid. You know what the name Ham means? Dark. You know what the name Japheth means? Light or fair-skinned. You know what the name Shem means? It means the name. It's like, how would you name your kid the name? But it's the Jewish people that will come from him. They're the Shem, Shemites, Semites. You ever heard the word anti-Semite? It's the Jews from Shem. Jews are like, well, they're like me, like a Latin. We're medium browns. So you have from these three sons, you have dark, 
You have medium brown, and you have light or fair-skinned. I, I have a granddaughter. She don't even look like me. She's really light-skinned. She looks like my dad. My dad was a real light-skinned Spanish guy. But from Noah, his three sons, you get all the colors, all the, all the shades. And then God puts us in nature. It's, a, it's fascinating to me. And, and, and you look at something like, how many like looking at a rainbow? Okay, the rest of you hate them. Okay, good, okay. <laughs> but what's a rainbow? A rainbow is a sunlight hitting droplets of water falling, and as that sunlight goes through droplets of water, and as it goes through that droplet of water, the water sorts out all the colors that are in light because light has color in it in case you didn't know that and when you see the rainbow and why certain colors are on the outside next inside and each one gets smaller it's because these colors of light are at certain speeds at least this is what I've read up on it when I took an astronomy class like back in the 1800s but if you put that together you think oh my gosh Think about the significance and the symbolism of it. There's color in light. Jesus is the light of the world. And when we come into the body of Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into us. He's the water, the Spirit of God. And as we pass through that, you see all the colors, all the different hues. The multicultural, diverse nation in the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? Yes or no? I can't see your face. Remember, you have masks on. I feel like you're about to rob me and I'm a bank teller, okay? It makes sense. Now, I, I didn't know all the things are going to be happening in, in America right now. But I know this, and I know I'm not the, the one that's going to go uh, on social media and make statements because I... I back 12 years ago when I started going on social media I got burned by people and people got angry and this and that and I got into some arguments online I said that's not the way this is, works so I, you won't see me doing stuff like that and you know I've said it online during these times if you attack me on social media I will edit and block you I'm just not into that stuff anymore I, I don't want to deal with angry people I'm an ex-angry I'm a recovering angry person any recovering angry people here? okay thank you God bless you we'll start a support group afterwards okay? But isn't that the problem in, a, in the world? And isn't Jesus the only answer to our problems? He's the only answer. I'm going to give everybody a 20. No, I'm not. Um, so uh, I read this yesterday. Well, first, let me show you my granddaughter. <laughs> um, Tony Dungy said this. He's an ex-pro football player, ex-head coach. You'll see him on, whenever the NFL comes back, he's a commentator. He's a Christian, great Christian man. Here's what he said about what's going on right now. I believe it has to start with those of us who claim to be Christians. We have to come to the forefront and demonstrate the qualities of the one we claim to follow, Jesus Christ. We can't go forward with bitter, judgmental spirits. We need to be proactive. 
but do it in the spirit of trying to help make things better. I read that. Uh, Tony, you're right. He said it way better than I could say it. See, Jesus is the only answer. Yeah, it's bad what happened. But the aftermath makes it worse. I'm not judging people's anger. But I have to live my life with Jesus said. When Peter cuts off that servant's ear, and Jesus heals the ear. And how many people has Jesus had to heal? Or how many people have we had to minister to that Christians hurt and wounded? But Jesus says, Peter, put away the sword. Those who live by the sword shall die by the sword. Whatever you do is going to come back at you, Peter. And let me reflect back to what I said earlier. Jesus told Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, let me put it paraphrased, then my people would be on the streets fighting for me, to free me. But as it is, my kingdom's not of this world. Christian, you're not of this world. Your citizenship is in heaven, Philippians 3.20. And we're called to live differently. And we're called to be proactive and make it better. But you and I both know only Jesus can do that. The world doesn't understand that we're all one family physically. They don't get it. They've been taught many other ways through evolution, the different species arose. It's been destroyed. They've edited God out of things, and that's why we don't... Oh, I'm getting into next week's message. Let me stop now. But what I want to do right now before I finish my last thoughts, I want to pray for our country. I want to pray for what's going on because that's what we should be doing. Let's pray. God, I, I I'm a simple thinker. You're the answer. Jesus, you said it best. They will know that you are Christians, a follower of Christ, by your love for one another, by your love for humanity. And so I pray, God, we're only going to find that in you, Jesus, because you are love. You even said in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. And we see it. And we see it. Now, I know there's all kinds of other elements going along with this situation. And I'm not here to spend three hours on it. I'm not there on the ground there. And I refuse to pay attention to too many people that weren't there on the ground. But God, we need you. Jesus, we need you. And we as Christians, we're a family. We're a diverse, multicultural nation. A kingdom of God, not of this world. Help us to be proactive and live that thing out correctly. And heal and not hurt. Because we're brothers and sisters. And we are the ones on this earth who understand that best. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let me finish up. I want to give you a couple more thoughts, and that's it. Remember I said to remember Cretans and Arabs? Remember I said that? Anybody remember that? Okay, good. You guys got good memories. 
they're there that day. When the, when the Spirit gets poured out and people are getting saved. Now think about that. Do Arabs and Jews get along typically? Say no. They don't. They don't get along at all. But there's Arabs there and Jews. What if, what if, what if that day the Arabs and the Jews all started giving their life to Christ and they all started becoming Christians? What would the last 2,000 years have looked like instead of the way they were? It would have changed, huh? How many people would have not have died? How many bombs would have not gone off had that been heated back then? Jesus can change things, but people must respond. And then it says, there's Cretans. There's Cretans there. That Cretans? What's a Cretan? Well, the New Testament, Paul writes, and he says this in Titus, the New Testament letter of Titus. He says, quoting another Cretan man, he says, this man said of his own fellow Cretans, he says, all Cretans are liars, lazy, and evil. How would you like somebody say that about your family? But that's what a Cretan said about his fellow Cretans. They're all liars, they're all lazy, and they're all evil. And yet they're there that day, and they're getting saved. What does that mean? What is God telling us? He's saying this. He says, I'm destroying all stereotypes as to who is welcome and who is not welcome in the kingdom of God. Because before that, it was just the Jews. He said, I'm destroying it all. Everyone's welcome. Everyone. No one person, you cannot say no, not them, no, no. You can't say that. He welcomes everyone in the kingdom of God. And if we don't get that in our minds, we will label, stereotype, look at different people, not them, not them, and we will, in effect, push away the rapture and not usher it in faster. Does that make sense? Why do you think the Holy Spirit comes as a violent rushing wind in Acts chapter 2? To blow us out into the world and use opportunities any chance we get to tell people about this great God that we know if in fact we believe he's a great God he is he is Jesus began it we continue it it's about life transformation primarily primarily and it's a multicultural diverse nation this kingdom of God and I am thankful for that one right there because only in Jesus is that possible only in Jesus. The hue of your skin, irrelevant. You're my brother, you're my sister. Physically and spiritually in the kingdom of God. This is what it is. You've got to warm up to that one. And once you do, you'll be a proactive change agent for the kingdom of God. Now, if you're watching me from home right now, or if you're here today, which you are, thank God there's people here today, and you're not a follower of Christ, you've never placed your faith in Jesus. You've never said, okay, Jesus, it's time for me to lay down my life and, and give it all to you. You've never done that before. Well, maybe today's the day. Maybe you've been watching me online for weeks now, and now I'm in person. Well, not to you, but, but we're back. And your family, maybe, and your friends, maybe they're sitting there with you, and they've been praying for you to come to Christ. They're just they're praying right now. Why don't you get, answer the prayer? Come on. Come on. Or if you're here today and you've never, never made, answered the call, 
Or maybe you backslid. Maybe you walked away. It's time to come back. And I don't know what sent you away. I don't know if some church person hurt you. I don't know if you felt like God let you down. I don't know. But let's put the ear back on. Let Jesus put the ear back on. Like he did for that servant that Peter cut off the ear. Let's put the ear back on. And get healed up towards God. And come back. And let your life be transformed. Because that's what it's all about. Be my witnesses. So if you've never placed your faith in Jesus, or you backslid and you want to come back to him, whether you're here or there online, I'm going to say a prayer. I'm going to have everyone here repeat it out loud with me. But at home, if you're there, I'm going to break it up. And if you're with family and you feel awkward, okay, say it in your head. But say it in your head and put your faith in Jesus. Here we go. Everybody say it out loud here so they can hear you out there online. Repeat after me. Jesus, Jesus. forgive me my sins. And I know I'm forgiven. Today I choose to follow you with my whole heart to the best of my ability. I've become a follower of Christ. And I will follow you to the end. Thank you for saving me. Now let me pray. Let me just pray. God, I just pray. I pray, Jesus, that those who said that prayer for the first time and rededication, that you will come to know this love of Jesus. It's the only thing that's going to change the world. I've been around for a long time now, and I hear the same rhetoric decade after decade. It doesn't work. But it's the same boring, beaten down rhetoric that doesn't work. What's going to work is the love of Jesus Christ in our hearts. We saw that applied in Jesus' life. And so I pray you who said that prayer and us in the auditorium here, anybody said that prayer, that the love of Christ would become so real to us for all people, for all people. And I pray and I hope that your experience with Jesus is unmatched in any way, shape, and form. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray and we all said, amen. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.